And welcome back, weirdos. This is episode 12 of the Weird Austin podcast. We're picking up steam, and we're going to continue to bring these episodes directly to the public, especially during this time of quarantine and uncertainty. We actually have uh, our very first episode where uh, we're practicing social distancing. Uh, On the other line, we have Dylan Hutchins. How have you been? Good, man. Hanging in there. You know, doing what I can to pass the time. <laughs> and what have you been doing to pass the time? Uh, you know, reading more than usual. I've been finding new ways to work out without going to the gym. Um, if I can get the ingredients, I've been wanting to get more into, like, cooking nicer stuff. So that's yeah. the next step. List. Nice. What do you plan on cooking? First recipe is going to be pork chops with uh, peppers. It's all pan fried. Ooh, I don't yes. know, something I saw on YouTube with Gordon Ramsay. And so, you know, got a bit of a man crush on him. Oh, dude, he's so wonderful. I, I can't wait for the Alexa uh, crossover where he, <laughs> you're cooking with him, and he's like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <Do it> again. <laughs> so, I, I think there was like a rumor of it, but if they um, ever went through with that man, dude, that would be the greatest thing on earth. Um, I, I think they did a Samuel Jackson one, uh, a crossover, no. which I'm sure there's a bunch of motherfuckers in that one, too. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. So social distancing means no hockey for Dylan, huh? Yeah, all the ranks are closed. Oh, no. That's sad, man. I know. And it's cold, so that's like the perfect environment, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, hockey's year-round. True. Because the ranks are indoors. So um, now, I mean, for people who live up north, this is definitely... Well, now that it's March, it's no longer, but, you know, in the wintertime, there's outdoor rinks that people can go and play on in the local neighborhoods. Oh, that's cool. So there's something to do. Yep, not anymore. Not right now. Hmm. That that really stinks, man. I'm sorry for you. It is. Everybody's, you know, all things considered, you know, it's pretty minor. That's true things that people are losing yeah that's true that's very very true you can't leave your house and a lot of people are passing this on to their family because they're just being a little bit too ballsy well shit i mean you got those kids who went to freaking party out in florida for spring break <laughs> yeah and i think four of them caught it one of the uh one of the colleges said a couple yeah. of them came back with it so yeah. idiots Mm-hmm. Have you come in contact with anybody or seen anything like that while doing your job, or what do they have you doing now? Uh, so where I work, it's a small city, nine one one service. Where, you know, we've got a population density of maybe thirty to thirty five thousand people, and it hasn't been hit very hard. But we've still had to change some protocols. So when our shift starts, when we go into the station, 
we have to get our temperature checked. And if we have a fever, like if it's 99.6 or higher, we have to go home. Wow. And then we get it checked. We do 24 hour shifts. And so halfway through the shift after 12 hours, we get it checked again. Wow. Um, Has anybody had any issues? Uh, so far, nobody in the department's gotten it, but that's not to say that there aren't issues. We have uh, one guy who's in a partially, he's at risk uh, for certain reasons for contracting the virus. And so mm -hmm. he's been taking off uh, shift work and they have him doing what's called light duty, where he just works a normal Monday through nine to five schedule doing like paperwork stuff for administration. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. At least they're not like forcing him to do something he really shouldn't be doing. You know, I'm glad that they're taking that kind of responsibility. Oh, absolutely. And then there are procedures for what we do with patients that are suspected. Um, so what is it called an acronym or whatever? So like, What's called a PUI, patient under investigation, is somebody who might be showing signs and symptoms, and so they're under medical investigation, like maybe they're being tested or kept in quarantine for a bit. Um, so these types of people, if they have to go to the hospital, we wear like a full, full-on bodysuit to protect ourselves um, for the time being, right? Hopefully we don't run out, but that's we'll, we'll see. Um, that's been a huge issue. One of the biggest issues in the medical community is just running out of personal protective equipment. Yeah, I saw that on the news, and they're trying to get like 3M and Hanes to build stuff. And they, the yeah. Surgeon General said they're at max capacity, though, so I don't understand how we're going to get stuff to people. Well, it's going to take a while. Right, because even if you, have, if you have companies who normally don't produce this type of equipment, <clears throat> even if right now they stop everything else that they're making and decide, okay, we're going to make these, it's still going to take a while before that equipment becomes available because they don't have the resources in place to just make it already. Right, kind of like in times of war, you know, uh, car manufacturers might stop making car engines and making tank engines. Well, right, you know, okay. it takes a while before you can make that kind of adjustment. True. Hmm. Well, I hope we can do something to minimize the spread or at least get the protective equipment to the professionals, you know, because they say that they're pretty scared and, uh, that's not a good look on America right now. Yeah, I mean, the most important thing that anybody can do is, it, everybody's been saying it, it's just not many people have been following it, is stay at home. I agree. Stay at home and don't have people over, you know? Yeah, yeah I agree. Well, what do you think about, like, Best Buy and GameStop staying open, saying they're essential personnel? They're not. <laughs> well, they they argued that the video games and, and appliances that you need for a proper quarantine uh, in a first world country is, is, is you know, done by them. No, 
because video games aren't essential for life. You can read a book, you can watch TV, you know, like you don't need electronics right. to stay to stay alive. Yeah. That's not. Um, yeah, GameStop. That's just ridiculous that they stayed open. Oh yeah, they had to send authorities to shut them down. Um, not sure what happened with that, but yeah, it's getting to that point. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean it. That's ridiculous. I know, and I guess Austin only has one testing facility, so I don't even know what's up with that. Like, I feel like we should have one on every single block, you know? Turn every CVS and Walgreens into a, a testing center. And then I heard that they're going to start charging like $100 for a testing kit. Wow. It's, it, that doesn't make any sense. If we're spending all this money to, to stop this, you know, uh, shouldn't it be preventative first? I mean... Well, the, the, I think one of the reasons for the high price is because these testing kits are in short supply. Yeah. Right. Or they will be soon enough. And we need to be using them on people who are showing signs and symptoms. Right. right? High risk, right? So on essential personnel, right? Because... Uh, I think it was people in the NBA talking about how they weren't going to test themselves, like the players wow. weren't going to test themselves, uh, just because you know they weren't showing any signs and symptoms, and there's no need to, you know, it's like these because they're in short supply. These kits need to be saved for the people who are actually sick. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, it's because they want to map it too, right? So they, they know exactly where the spread is. Is that? I mean, yeah, that's important too. Right? You want to know where it is, where it's spreading, and how much it's spreading to determine uh, what type of measures need to be taken. Okay. Do you... oh, go ahead. Do you agree with what um, Texas is doing right now, where they're letting each county kind of dictate what's going on, or each city? You know, like you said, you're in a smaller area, and it's probably not as big as Austin and Dallas, especially in Houston. Do you think the smaller cities uh, should be trusted to to the municipalities to kind of handle this? It's it's tough because there's a balancing act. You know, you need to. One, you got to balance making sure that it's not spread and more people don't get contaminated with economic interests. Because mm. if you have a smaller area where not many people travel, right, they're at lower risk of having anybody who's infected. So if there's been no incidences of coronavirus in this small town, would it make sense to completely shut down all the restaurants and just halt commerce and put people out of jobs? Um, I don't know. I think one of my favorite quotes that I've heard, and I'm paraphrasing, is anything that we do before it's a problem will seem alarmist, and anything that we do after it's a problem won't feel like enough. 
Wow. Um, but yeah, so it's hard to find that balance. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't see, you know, whenever I was in line at HEB today, man, nobody was practicing six feet until they got in the door. I mean, people were standing practically right on top of each other and no one was wearing masks. You know, I mean, I was fully decked out, you know, with my uh, N95 mask and, you know, my, my gloves and all that. And, you know, I, I saw maybe a handful of other people and uh, it felt like no one was really getting the essentials. I mean, of course, toilet paper is the first thing to go, but I saw people buying alcohol. I saw people buying, you know, just cigarettes and things that, I mean, sure. I, I guess are essential for the addiction and maybe the stir craziness, but, you know, no one is really getting, I mean, most of the food stuff was still there. You know, most of the frozen stuff was still there. You know, I mean, I, I grabbed myself some, you know, strawberry, frozen strawberries and stuff like that. And I've been making, you know, really awesome shakes with some MCT oil, you know, just to keep up, you know, my energy and to be able to, you know, grab and go. Cause I'm still deemed essential personnel. The pawn shop is still open. Huh. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, for a while, we weren't practicing that six-foot rule, and and we're not even sure what's going to happen with uh, with any of the loans or any of the stuff. They're not really talking to us. Uh, they keep saying we're going to cross that bridge when we get there, and I had a customer insist that we're halfway across the bridge already. So, right. so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Texas, at least. I mean, what California and DC and Nevada or New York? New York was, they're all on lockdown, right? Oh, yeah. They sent in the National Guard. Jeez, man. And Adler is shutting down the city starting tomorrow. So we're not even sure what that's going to look like. He said he wouldn't rule out uh, the National Guard being used to, you know, assist people at the hospitals, which I can only assume means enforcing quarantines, you know? Here in Austin? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the right call. In, in any major city, it's the right call. Agreed. We are a metropolis, right? Uh, or a metropolitan city, rather. I guess it's over a million people. Oh, is that is that right? That's mm -hmm. the number? Yeah, I remember reading that earlier this year. So, I mean... Unless a bunch of people dipped out. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting right there at a million. Yep. Yeah, I think it's the right call. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just got a actually a message from one of my uh, coworkers. Yep. Adler says shelter in place order for Travis County. I guess shelter in place means that all residents must stay at home and all non-essential businesses must close in-person operations. Businesses are going that are considered essential include hospitals, television, gas station, groceries, and daycares. Man. Yeah, I guess in order to keep information out, you know, public uh, broadcast. Oh, I see. Sure. Right. Right. Huh. Uh, well, so I mean, what do you... hmm? Pawn shops weren't on that list, though. <laughs> I'm sure they'll fight for it. Uh, they claimed we're essential, and I, I won't name it, but they claimed that we're essential because we're uh, we're a bank in a sense, and we make loans without affecting your credit. It's just kind of like an in-house credit. And uh, 
I mean, it's it's sticky because if you are from San Antonio and you have a bunch of loans in San Antonio, I believe you're able to extend those loans at any location that's under that umbrella, at least within the state. So if you're in Austin and you can't extend on your loans because you're currently living in Austin, well, how are they going to factor that in, you know? Huh. And uh, so it's not so much about what y'all sell, but the banking aspect of the job. Right. Selling is just a symptom of the pawn business. Um, hey, man, I'm coming back for this. Okay. Oops, I overloaned and you never came back. Well, I guess I either A, better mark this up and try and get my money back for it, or B, sell it as a loss and make it up somewhere else. You know, the I mean, and it's the 80-20%. You see the same 20% of the people coming through and carrying, you know, the load. I mean, there was a gentleman who had a pair of sunglasses before we stopped taking them. Uh, for years, years, and paid at least three times the amount of, of the cost of the glasses just to keep them there. And and then you see people who are, um, I don't want to say addicted, but they sell themselves. You know, oh, my God, you got gold? What do you got? Oh, you got guns? What do you got? You know, and gold and guns are the bread and butter of the pawn shop. Everything else is just kind of in between. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I bet y'all have seen an increase in gun sales. <laughs> Good luck getting one. If you don't have your uh, concealed license and you know, you're not in the, the government system already, uh, I had a, an employee, a co-worker, tried to get his, and that was two days ago. He got delayed all the way until the 15th. Uh, some people are being delayed up to 30 days. So, so like, your license? Yeah, so you come in. Uh, you say, hey, can I purchase a gun? We make sure that you have a Texas ID. You make sure that it's legal. And then you fill out all your paperwork. I can't help you. You can't ask questions. You can't get on your phone. You can't leave. You can't talk to anyone else. Fill that paperwork out. Okay, now we're done. Now it's my turn. I enter it in, send it off to the government. Now we wait. I've seen it take as little as three to five seconds. I've seen it take as long as three to five weeks. Uh, I think you have 30 days to appeal. Um and then you can question them. But yeah, yeah, people are being pushed back. Uh, I don't know if it's the Brady date. I'm not sure exactly what, uh, why they're holding people back. But um, I know one of the stores, one of the stores, it wasn't our location, but a gun store in Austin said that they're doing six times the amount of business that they normally do. Oh. And keep in mind, we're in tax season. So like people normally show up with money around this time, six times the amount. I had people call me from Cabela's and Walmart. Hey, do y'all have any bullets? No, we don't sell bullets. I can't find a single nine millimeter round. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, we keep what, the, the we keep so the bullets saying, away from the guns. You're saying that normally someone without a concealed handgun license comes in and can just apply for it online and get it in a few seconds? <sighs> That's an overly simplification. Um Right. It, it's but it's they, a. It, they get it in one day. Yeah. If if you have a clear background, yes, you can get it in one day. What the hell? They can't even do a background check. It takes them like a week to do a background check applying for a job. Yep. Well, not true. Uh, mine came back within a day because I I think I had a I still might have my security clearance. I'm not sure, but yeah. Whenever I applied for this job, and mind you, I'm selling guns, so they I think have to do the exact same if not something similar, um, and they take all your, 
your last five years of employment history, and you can't you can't have a gap. I'm talking like a day. They're, they're going to question you. What were you doing on that day? Like you have to fill out the exact. What have you been doing the entire five years? And that came back within a day. I mean, you know. But I I agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, doing them uh, over and over again, uh, it it's pretty secure. Um, and honestly, we're we're on the lookout. I'll I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, a lady came in. Hey, can I see a gun? Sure. Do you have any nine hundred dollar guns? That's a specific number. Okay. Uh, have, specific. Yeah. Uh, let me let me show you what we have. I crouched down, haven't even opened the uh, the case yet. She says, "What happens if I walk off with one of those?" I'm sorry, with with a firearm? Yeah. Oh. So we immediately took her license and uh, you know fed that into our system, so people are on the uh, you know the lookout. And I mean, so if anything shady ever happens. I mean, we're people on the streets too, man. I gotta see these people at HEB and Walmart too. I gotta, you know what I mean? So we're not happy-go-lucky. I mean, I don't make much on a transaction anyway, so what's the benefit for me to sell guns to every single Tom, Dick, and Harry, you know? Right. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not gonna infringe on your rights. If you come through and you do your paperwork and you're, you're, you know, you're checked and the government clears you, well, here's your gun. It's locked. Yeah. Please do not, uh, you know, take it apart while you're in the store. Now, the weird thing is uh, they have straw purchases, which we're always on the outlo- uh, lookout for. Um, you could come on in, and uh, I have actual friends who've done it for their parents. Their parents have felon. They go in, they buy it for them. Here you go, Mom. Here you go, Dad. Here's your gun. That's oh, yeah. You know, uh, I could walk outside with my brand new firearm and sell it to you for half the cost. I could sell it to you for the cost of my car. I dictate how much that gun's worth. Sure. So, and so again, have you seen where people come in though? Mm-hmm, no. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people want guns, but again, uh, they're not going to get them because the background checks are now taking that long. I mean, thirty days. As far as the government's concerned, thirty days isn't that long. I can tell you, it feels like a long time. Whenever you get. People calling you over and over again. Hey, did my gun stuff go through? Hey, can I come pick it up? Sure. You know? Shoot, it takes longer to get a driver's license. Yeah, I mean, you're if right. That's really, that's really all it is. It's still not that hard to get one. Because I've been thinking about, you know, I probably won't, but it's gone through my mind like, hey, maybe I should get one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's your right as an American. So as long as the government approves it, you know. There you go. Just in case shit hits the fan. Yeah, and and to be honest, I mean, you lived in the area I live in. It would take a lot of people for the government to roll up and try and take all those guns. And I doubt that it would happen. I doubt oh. they would even try. And even, like, they would get through maybe one neighborhood, and then everyone and their mom would know, and then they would mobilize, right? So everybody afraid of, you know, martial law needs to calm down. Uh <laughs> I'm not then, worried about, like, my neighbors or just somebody right. else. Right. That's what I was going to say. You know, somebody who's living on the street who has been hitting hard times the last few, you know, years. I mean, I again, I have, I have people who, you know, don't have homes and they come in and, hey, man, can you give me $10 for this lava lamp? And I'm like, ah, that'd be really hard to sell. You know, I mean, 
who's going to want a lava lamp for 15 bucks? I might be able to give you a three and sell it for five. And this guy snapped and started yelling at his friends. He says, I'm not fucking sleeping on the streets tonight, man. And, you know, you see it in people's eyes. They're starting to get a little a little anxious. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, I, I just, anytime I see anybody, anybody on the streets, man, I just, you know, mind my own business, keep walking. Yeah. Yeah, man, I mean, shit. What, what would we do if the grocery stores, not necessarily closed, but ran out, right? Like, what if we can't produce enough? It's just crazy. Everything would be totally fine if people just acted normal when it came to grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. Our governor because, said that. He said stop stockpiling. Yeah. Everybody's freaking out. And so then because a few people are freaking out, now everybody has to freak out. It's kind of like, well, shit. If everybody else is stockpiling, then I have to stockpile. Monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. They're they're creating a demand for something that shouldn't be in demand. Because, dude, if you're pooping that much, I I have a serious concern about your life. Yep. You know, I mean, you have you have real problems if you need that much toilet paper. And then people are trying to return it. And Costco and all the big box stores are saying, "No, you bought it, you keep it." Yeah, I don't know if I want to buy toilet paper that somebody else hit. Yeah, that too. It's a little unsanitary. Yeah. Even if it's still wrapped up, you never know. Yeah. Hmm. So are you uh, currently self-quarantining whenever not in, uh, not in, at work? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, I'm not going out. There's nowhere to go out to anyway. Right. Right. Everything closed. I'm not hanging out with friends, you know. Otherwise, I'd be at your place right now. We'd just be recording this. <laughs> Mike. Um, yeah, man. About it. Just go grocery shopping. And Although I did, last week, I went and worked out at, like, a calisthenics park. It's just, like, a neighborhood park. And then they have a few, like, pull-up bars and dip bars. Oh, um, nice. And I went there. But I brought like a bunch of uh, Clorox wipes, smart with me, like sanitary wipes, and so like before and after each time I used any of the equipment, I would wipe it down. Very smart, just like yeah. at the gym. Yeah, but a bit more sanitary because this <laughs> stuff is like, you know, uh, antimicrobial. Right. True. Strength. Um. But yeah, man, some people just still aren't, like, you know, I was using the bars, and then I went for a short run, and I come back, and there's, like, a group of, like, six or seven people. It's, like, three adult women and then, like, four kids. And they were just letting the kid, you know, they are all just hanging out inside this, you know, area, letting the kids just hang around on the bars and jump around. And more, even if it's not a pandemic, it's like there's a playground just a short walk away. Take your kids there for working out. Yeah. More importantly, it's like kids are the worst because they're finding that they are shedding off higher volumes of the virus than adults. Oh, no. Yeah. And kids also just don't 
they just don't understand sanitary measures or they don't know how to wash their hands as effectively as adults do. And so, you know, kids are going to be spreading this a lot, you know, so. Yeah, I think they have a couple of confirmed cases of children as well in Travis County. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I hope they're okay, because they said that a couple of people in their 30s have passed on because of it as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, some people say, oh, it's just a bad case of the flu. Uh, maybe for some people, but even for, like, a young, healthy athlete, it can be just as bad, if not worse, as a pneumonia infection. Mm. Right? I mean, there's stories of people getting it and they just feel a little under the weather for two weeks. And then there's stories of people who are like young 20 year old professional athletes getting it and they're miserable, <laughs> like struggling to breathe type stuff. So, yeah. Man. Yeah. I, I just don't want to get quarantined, man, because I've probably told you this story before, but in 2009 in uh, Pensacola, when the swine flu was big, I had flu-like symptoms and went to medical. I asked them, do I have it? And they said, well, we're not sure. It's going to take a week or two to get the results back, but it also takes a week or two to get over it. So we're going to put you in quarantine. I said, where? They said, well, we've designated the Alpha building, one wing of it, as the quarantine area. So I got stuck with probably 20 other people who... uh Definitely had it, because as soon as I got there, for uh, two days straight, my roommate and I, my roommate was in the Air Force, just couldn't keep anything down. Everything just was liquid, man, coming out both ends. That's uh, brutal. Yeah, and, and you could run your hands under cold water, uh, or under hot water, and it felt like cold water. I mean, you didn't feel any temperature change. I mean, you just, you know, I, I hadn't felt that bad since... Uh, since boot camp, whenever you have all those people come together and all the immune systems, you know, clash with 85 people in one room. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, and then we had a similar situation on the ship. Uh, I think we got close to 60% of people that were sick with, uh, we called it the double dragon. Same thing, everything comes out as liquid. And, <laughs> the double uh, dragon. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember going to medical and I was like, man, I'm, I'm really sick. And the guy was like, if I have you do a stool sample and I see even a piece of corn, I'm going to kick your ass. And I was like, well, OK, I guess I'll leave. You know, <laughs> it's just like they didn't want to get more numbers up because then the entire ship would have to quarantine itself in, in a port. And I don't think that had happened in many, many, many years. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I had people who uh, would be working on the flight deck. Oh, excuse me a second. They go throw up over the side of the ship and then go back to work. Damn. Yeah. So people think that their local government's bad. Man, try being sick in the military. <laughs> yeah, everybody's trying to cover it up. <laughs> well, just trying to trying to live, you know, try to keep moving. Yeah. Well, uh, you said you were reading. What do you what do you, what have you been reading? Oh, uh, I just finished a book called talent is overrated oh wow yeah it's a book this guy just goes over the he argues against there being something called talent like 
maybe some people are born with certain advantages in one area or another, but when it comes down to it, it's whoever has more hours of deliberate practice. That makes sense. So part of the whole 10,000 hour approach, you know, where his, some of his favorite uh, examples were like Tiger Woods or Mozart. You know, Mozart, people claim, oh, he had this God-given gift for music. Uh, and they cite the fact that, oh, well, he was so talented, you know, he wrote some of his best work when he was only like 21 or like one of his, you know, one of his most notable works he wrote when he was like 21. Right. And while that's true, what's also true is his dad was already a notable composer himself. Oh, okay. Sure of music and hmm. had been training young Mozart since he was three years old, basically. Wow. So like day in, day out, young child Mozart was putting in hours and hours of practice to where, sure, he made a classic, like a masterpiece when he was 21, but at that point he had already put in, you know, almost if not 10,000 hours into composing music. Hmm. So uh, he talks about just what goes into the best type of practice, like what it involves, and then just how to apply it to different things. Uh, could, really you, good could you simplify it? Uh, sure. It's basically one, it's not fun. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um it's coached right it's like you have a somebody trained in the area who's like a third you know a third person objective viewer who can look at your form or what you're doing and tell you what you did right what you did wrong things to improve on mm -hmm. um each part of the like every practice it's called deliberate because it's that practice is focused on improving certain things, right? Like if you go to the driving range and just get a bunch of golf balls and you just kind of sit there and you, or you stand there and you just mindlessly just hit golf balls down the driving range for an hour, yeah, you're getting practice, but you're not going to improve as quickly as someone who's like, okay, I need to focus more on my follow through. And so they spend that practice. Sure, they also shoot, spend an hour shooting golf balls down the range, but this person's focusing on improving their follow through or making sure they hit the ball more centered. Okay, and yeah. That type of guided practice is going to help you improve. That makes sense. Yeah. So cool stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, they say that the top AI, um, one creates and the other judges, and they just keep going back and forth. So I, I could see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah so I guess that's why drills are so important, huh? 
How are you keeping busy? Well, me? <laughs> well, uh, this, <laughs> I've been doing a lot more episodes. Um, trying to keep my social media presence up and, and gain fans and followers. Uh, I'm playing some God of War, which is a beautiful game. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a little slow in, in a few parts, but uh, I'm almost done with it, and I like it. You know, it was it was really cool, and uh, I hope they make more. Next up is Spider-Man. Uh, played a little bit of that. Uh, definitely a different type of game, but uh, super excited. So <laughs> that. Also, uh, I guess watching some Netflix stuff. Uh, we're watching, I think it's called The Tiger King. Uh, about the guy who had all those um, exotic animals and a couple other people who did, and uh, a woman named uh, Carol something who uh, did the exact same thing, but with like the government backing her in a sense. Like she had a sanctuary, and then they had private zoos. So her sanctuary was the right way to do it, and their private zoos were evil. But uh, they kind of show that her husband went missing, and her husband. Uh, was a millionaire, and she was the other woman, and uh, she took a lot of the estates and money from from those people, or from her, you know, her late husband's family. So uh, uh-huh. I'm not all, I'm not all the way through it, but uh, I've I've noticed a lot of these documentaries, especially on Netflix. You're like, you watch one episode and you're like, I got the whole thing figured out, and then you watch episode two and you're like, well, fuck me, no, I don't. <laughs> it's 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 very sensationalized in uh, in different segments if you will yeah okay yeah i'm just starting to realize how important especially in times like these uh self-care is you know just making oh just making sure that we now that we have all this free time just make sure that we're taking care of ourselves you know Mm -hmm. uh health physical health you know, it's too easy to just binge watch TV and get high or get drunk all day when you're sitting at home not doing anything. Right. Honestly. So, yeah, so it's just really important to take care of ourselves. I bet it almost feels like a punishment for the people who have to stay home. You know, they want to go out and be social. And it's so funny that we have a a segment of society that demands they get to stay home and get paid for it. <laughs> you know, and now that the workforce who wants to work is stuck at home, they're getting stir crazy. Oh yeah. I've got all kinds of friends that are having to work from home now and it's driving them nuts. Yeah. I bet, man. <sighs> a, lot, a lot of my friends can't actually work from home. Um, Actually, two podcasts ago, my friend Corey Jones, uh, he used to work with us at the pawn shop, and now he kind of tried his hat at doing more live music and working at a food truck at, as a manager. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure as you can tell where I'm going with this, both of those have been snatched away from him. Man, he had a high-paying paying job and plenty of things set up for South By, and he posted this long thing, you know, a year of networking, a year of practice, a year of, you know, setting up, gone in a week. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody's plans are just thrown out the window. Yeah. I mean, you've got event coordinators. There's so many things that just had to be canceled. Yeah. 
It's really sad, man. Yeah, I mean, the, the loss, I think it's been, is it like already has cost the economy like $25 billion? Yeah, they said that fixing it's going to cost $10 trillion. And uh, only a few years ago, Bill Gates came out and said that we were not prepared for something like this after Ebola, and he thought it was only going to cost three trillion. So we've already quad, we've already almost quadrupled that. Holy shit! Yeah, man. He warned us, and then he stepped down, and he's hiding in his awesome home, I assume. Oh, I'm sure. We should have listened. We were too busy playing his video games. Hmm. South Park episode where they just go around shouting that when a disaster <laughs> strikes, they're just like, we can listen. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm happy this isn't the Black Plague. You know, I'm, I'm happy this is at least, I don't want to say curable, but recoverable, you know? Right. So yeah. if we don't listen after this, man, we're just a bunch of monkey people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly. I think it's one thing that's a controversial topic is, you know, I see some people getting upset that Trump called it the Chinese virus or the China virus. Or the Kong flu, like some people Which, call it. We had been calling it the Wuhan virus for a while, and nobody really gave a shit about that. And then it's like, well, okay, what about the Spanish flu? Right. Right. <laughs> the, you know, I don't see what the big deal is. I, I think it's because I think it's because people might be afraid. You know, I mean, if you see the average American with a face mask on, you know, I, I mean, I see it at work. Most people don't really care, but if anybody Asian walks in with a face mask, even before this, you know, we had ladies who worked um, next door who did nails and and pedicures, so they, you know, they're wearing protective equipment all the time and they'd walk in with face masks and like customers would just kind of go to the other side of the store or look at them you know and um i remember whenever sars was happening um you know just it, it kind of feels like the same thing you know so i mean this is basically sars too right you know covid19 is sars too essentially so they yeah. pr they probably don't want that same mentality but i don't know they, they didn't they pass that they're not going to eat um, exotic animals anymore, you know, like bats and stuff, to to stop this from happening. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of big. That's where it came from. Is there just the lack of? It's multiple things. It's their lack of regulations on their markets and like sanitary things, right? Because like you go to a market in some markets, right? I'm not saying it's all. They're all like this, but you go to some markets in China and they're just like super unsanitary mm. that wouldn't fly here in the states but also you know they have such a high population and they live so tightly packed together that you know it's just a breeding ground i think most um most markets that aren't big box chains kind of have some of those problems though i mean three doors down from where we're at there's a you know a mercado and yeah. uh and I've gone in there, man, before to get some bananas and uh, literally like hundreds of bugs just marching out of these bananas and just swarming the other ones just right there in front of the checkout stand. And uh, needless... marching out of the bananas. Mm -hmm. 
What do you mean they're coming out of the bananas? Like the bananas sit in a bunch and they had been split down the middle. And I don't, I didn't stick around to see what they were. I don't know if they were larvae or like black bugs or something, but yeah, just, just coming out of these bananas and going into other ones to, to eat and to, you know, just oh, oh. Yeah. And I'm not sharp chop at that market. Exactly. And that, that's all it takes to get, you know, a bad reputation is just something like that, you know? And, um, and, uh, I talked to one of the guys who does the meat market and he said he doesn't trust Walmart. I said, why? He said, because those are sitting on pallets and in refrigerators and all this and, and, you know, for up to weeks, but our stuff is fresh and he couldn't, he couldn't guarantee that or like, you know, point me to any resource that backed up that claim. Uh, and so I asked, you know, my Hispanic coworkers, Hey, do you, do you believe that? And a lot of them are like, yeah, I would rather shop there than, than up the street at HEB. But, you know, anybody else who wasn't Hispanic was like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to that Mexican market. You know, so it's, it's really interesting how we treat other, I guess, cultures, markets in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, it, like it takes just one of those things, you know, and I'm sure that might stick with people, you know, oh, don't go to that place because their bananas are terrible, you know. Right. So, I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate and it's uh, sad, you know. Yeah. Where, where do you shop? Do you still go to like Whole Foods and stuff? No, I don't go to Whole Foods. <laughs> it's overpriced. What the fuck? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, no, dude, I just go to HEB. It's plenty of good shit at HEB. Of course, absolutely. They're they're part of Central Market too, right? Or Central Market's a part of them? Uh, no, I think HEB is its own thing. Really? Okay. Yeah. I know we have some Central Market stuff at HEB. Hmm. Yeah, sure. Maybe Central Market is an HEB offshoot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That could make sense. Well, you said you're reading a lot. Are you are you writing as much? Are you uh, putting pen to paper? No, nah, man. I don't know. It's just I kind of lost interest in that. There's really? just like, yeah. I mean, it, I would say it's because there's not really a big community here in Austin for stuff like that, and so I don't know. It's kind of like. I just didn't have the motivation for it. Whereas it's like in hockey, there's a decent community here in Austin. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know, but there is. <laughs> and so it's a lot more fun just because, you know, basically anything is a lot more fun when you've got people to do it with. Oh, of course. You get that feedback. You get that, that feeling, you know, almost yeah. gamification, if you will. That's cool. Yeah. Well, uh, if you're not writing, are you at least listening to people? Like, who are you listening to now? Um, I'd say just listening to a lot of EDM, actually. Like, uh, it's a genre called Future House. I'd like I've that heard you talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Hip Hop Man, still, same old classic like 90s early 2000s new york hip-hop is what i'm nice that's still the same Um, anything 
Hmm. Well, The Weeknd had a new album come out, and uh, so did uh, Donald Glover, I guess. Uh, they're both they're both okay. Uh, I like uh, you know, more of the singles from uh, The Weeknd. Um, yeah. Like the, I think he had like two songs on the radio that just super catchy. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, I've actually been stepping away from rap as well, man, listening to more adult contemporary, you know, some uh, Phil Collins and, <laughs> you know, uh, stuff like that. It's just uh, a little bit more... A little bit more, I guess, grand, if you will. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's in the air tonight. I don't care anymore. Definitely on my uh, my playlist over and over. I mean, I'll slip in some, you know, Run the Jewels or Mac Miller or something like that. But for the most part, you know, just some older stuff. Uh, not too much. Playing some Rocket League as well, man. You said you've been playing, right? Yep. Dude, I love that game. It's so great. Well, should we... Uh... Want to wrap up the podcast there? And... Absolutely. Move on to some Rocket League. All right, guys. Well, thank you for coming back for episode 12. Um, if you want to follow the podcast, we are on iTunes, YouTube, and Podbean. Or you can follow our Instagram. That is Dog Dog Productions. And we thank you again, guys. All right. See you on the next one.